Welcome to the Word Encounter, episode 226. We're in the book of Acts, and we're going to pick it up in chapter 21. And the section heading says, Warnings on the Journey to Jerusalem. So Paul is, 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 is journeying all over the Middle East, preaching and, te- and teaching and, and uh, informing people on the ways of Jesus and converting people, changing lives. And so he's going to head back to Jerusalem. And, but there's a warning as he's going back. And so in verse 8 it says, The next day we left and came to Caesarea, where we entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. I guess there were seven brothers there. He's one of the seven. I don't know. <laughs> it says in verse 9, This man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. Now, why is this even in here? Why is this important? Well, I don't know why it's in here, but it tells me that women had a prominent role in the things of God back at that time. A lot of times uh, people uh, will accuse the uh, church of being patriarchal and, and women have no place just to shut up, you know, stay quiet, get in a corner or whatever. But we see that there are uh, prophetesses. Uh, these daughters prophesied. Uh, we see that there was a judge in the Old Testament who was a female. And so females are, are, are in the word and, and, and have prominent roles. In verse 10, It says, uh, after we had been there for several days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. He came to us, took Paul's belt, tied his own feet and hands and said, this is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And so we see here that it's being prophesied how Paul is going to be taken away or taken out of Jerusalem, that the Jews are going to bind him, his hands and his feet. It says, when we, uh, when we heard this, both we and the local people pleaded with them not to go up to Jerusalem. So when they heard this prophecy, then uh, the people who loved Paul pleaded with him not to go to Jerusalem because they didn't want to see this happen to him. Then we go on to verse 13. <clears throat> then Paul replied, uh, what are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, as I said yesterday, you know, to have this conviction, you know, I am not only ready to be bound, but also ready to die. You have to know that you know that you know that Jesus is really, really, really real, you know, because you can't fake this. You know, you can't you can't fake this like if death comes, it comes unless you know, unless you have a good revelation of something that is very, very, very real to you. And so a lot of people can can fool other people. But when when push comes to shove, like when when the rubber meets the road, there's going to come a time when one has to really reveal their true conviction with regard to the things of God and the things of Jesus. Verse 14, since he would not be persuaded, we said no more except since he would not be persuaded, we said no more except the Lord's will be done. So they weren't going to agree with Paul with regard to him going to Jerusalem, but they would say, the Lord's will be done. It says, conflict over the Gentile mission. This is really interesting. Let's get into this. In verse 17, it says, when we reached Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters welcomed us warmly. The following day, Paul went in, uh, went in with us to James and all the elders were present. So the entire Christian leadership in Jerusalem was present when uh, Paul and, and his entourage went in. Verse 19, after greeting them, we reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard it, they glorified God and said, 
You see, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are who have believed, and they are all zealous for the law. I could, as I go further, I could substitute this word and for but, you know, but they are all zealous for the law. Now, wh- why do I say that? Let's, let's go on. <laughs> says, you see, brother, how many, Jew, how many thousands of Jews uh, there are who have believed, and they are all zealous for the law, or but they are all zealous for the law. Verse 21. But they have been informed about you, that you are teaching all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to abandon Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or to live according to our customs. Therefore, do what we tell you. We have four men. Well, before I get into this, and so telling Paul, it says that we're glorifying God, everything that's, that has happened. However, you know, many of the people have heard that you're turning the Jews who are elsewhere against the laws of Moses. And they're, they're not down with this. So what should we do? And so this is the plan. Therefore, do what we tell you. We have four men who have made a vow. Take these men, purify yourself along with them, and pay um, and pay for them to get their head shaved. And so they're telling Paul to go with these men and pay for their preparations. <clears throat> and the vow is, pro- uh, is probably the vow of a Nazarite. And so, and then it says, then everyone will know uh, that what they were told about you amounts to nothing. And so they're trying to get Paul to do things in the public eye, to go on the vow of the Nazarite with these other four guys, pay for their preparations and everything in order to demonstrate to the people that what they heard isn't true. Then it says, but that you yourself are also careful about observing the law. And so they're trying to make sure that the people see a public confirmation that Paul is not doing what they heard that he was doing and that he is in fact down with the uh, Mosaic laws. You see, and that's not entirely true. The riot in the temple, verse 26. So the next day, Paul took the men, having purified himself along with them and entered the temple, announcing the completion of the purification days when the offering would be made for each of them. When the seven days were nearly over, some Jews from the province of Asia saw him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting, fellow Israelites, help. This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people, our law and this place. What's more, he also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. And so you had Jews coming from Asia where Paul had been on his ministry trip, a trip converting people and whatnot. And Paul was telling them that the only thing that was necessary was to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and that these things, you know, circumcision and other things were not necessary for salvation. See, they weren't necessary for salvation. And so uh, all of the Jews, all of the, uh, the, the law Jews, uh, I'm going to refer to them as, uh, uh, they interpreted what he was saying as he's coming against our law and teaching people that our law is irrelevant and unnecessary. And so they came from Asia to follow him, to find him, and to tell people what he was doing in Asia. And so they're stirring up the crowd now. And it says in verse 30, the whole city was stirred up. And the people rushed together. They seized Paul, dragged him out of the temple, and once uh, at the gate, and dragged him out of the temple, and at once the gates were shut. So we see that the plan that the Christian elders came up with to convince the Jews that Paul wasn't doing what he said he was uh, doing didn't work. <laughs> That's the bottom line. The plan didn't work. 
And so in verse 31, as they were trying to kill him, word went up to the commander of the regiment that Jerusalem was in chaos. Taking along soldiers and centurions, he immediately ran down to them. Seeing the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander approached, took him into custody, and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He asked, um, who, he asked who he was and what he had done. And so the commander, you know, re- remember, so you have uh, the Roman Empire, but then the Jewish nation is under the Roman Empire, and they have kind of their own government, but they still have to uh, um, adhere to the policy of the Roman, uh, the policies of the Roman government. And so the commander is a Roman, and so he hears that there's an uprise going, uh, uprising going. So he goes to find out what's going on. He secures Paul, and now he's got to find out, okay, who is this guy and what's happening. And then it says in verse 34, some in the crowd were shouting one thing, some another. Since he was not able to get reliable information because of the uproar, he um, ordered him to be taken into the barracks. When Paul got to the steps, he had to, um, he had to be carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. And so when Paul got to the steps of the barracks, they had to lift Paul up and lift him over because they, they were trying to beat him. You know, so the soldiers had to raise him up so that they could get him inside and uh, uh, get him inside safely. This is Paul's defense before the Jerusalem mob. Verse 37. As he was about to be brought into the barracks, Paul said to the commander, am I allowed to say something to you? He replied, you know how to speak Greek? See, Paul is very savvy, extremely savvy. And so Paul is speaking Greek to the uh, commander in order to get his attention. (laughs) He's he's not just a a, a lowly Jewish person. You know, Paul is highly educated and and whatnot, and so he's communicating with the commander, so he gets the commander's attention. In verse 39, Paul said, I am a Jewish man from Tarsus, a citizen of an important city. Now I ask you, let me speak to the people. After he had given permission, so the commander gives Paul permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned with his hand to the people. When there was a great hush, he addressed them in Aramaic. Now he switched his language as he's addressing the people. See, Paul knows how to get the attention of his audience. He's switching things up. Very shrewd. Over in verse 22, he's addressing the people now. He says in verse chapter 22, Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense before you. When they heard that he was addressing them in Aramaic, they became even quieter. Again, very savvy. Verse 3, he continued, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus, brought up um, in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strictness of our ancestral law. He was zealous for God, just as all of you are today. Paul is establishing himself with the people. He's telling them, look, this is who I am. I'm from this city, but I grew up and was educated here. And by one of the most revered, you know, rabbis or teachers amongst you, Gamaliel. He says, I was zealous for God, just as all of you are today. I persecuted this way. I persecuted the Christians to the death, arresting and putting both men and women in jail as both the high priest and the whole council, council of elders can testify about me after I received it. Let me stop there. And so they were in place. They were in office when Paul was zealous for the law and persecuting the Christians. So the, 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 the Jewish uh, elders and leadership, they could testify to this. 
you know. And so, again, Paul is establishing himself with his audience. After I received uh, letters from them to the brothers, I traveled to Damascus to meet those who were there and bring them to Jerusalem to be punished. I was so zealous, I would go on the road to get them, to bring them back and punish them. And then Paul goes into his testimony. And so from verse 6, he starts to detail uh, the things that happened to him on the Damascus Road, how he encountered Jesus and their dialogue and so on and so forth. This is, uh, this is detailed in Acts chapter 9 and in episode of 221 of the Word Encounter. So go check it out if you haven't checked that out yet. So he details that. And then in verse 10, it says, I said, what should I do, Lord? The Lord told me, get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told everything that you have been assigned to do. So again, Paul is telling the people what happened to him. And this is what the Lord told him to do. And so that is what he did. You know, the Lord made him blind. He went to find a guy who can make him unblind and so on and so forth. Again, that's in Acts chapter 9. In verse 17, it says, After I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him telling me, him being the Lord, hurry up, get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. But I said, Lord, they know that in the synagogue after synagogue, I had those who believed you, who believed in you imprisoned and beaten. So he's telling the Lord is telling him, get up and get out. Again, he's telling the people and he's, he's saying in synagogue and synagogue, they know that I want these people beaten. You know, it's not going to be cool if I go amongst them. And the blood of your own witness, Stephen was, uh, and when the blood of your own witness, Stephen was being shed, I stood there giving approval and guarding the clothes of those who killed him. He said to me, go because I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And so uh, Paul is explaining these, this is the dialogue he had with the Lord. He's explaining this to the people. And so <clears throat> now when he said, uh, that the Lord told him to go because I will send you far away to the Gentiles. This is how they responded. In verse 22, Paul's Roman protection, it says, they listened to him up to this point, up until he, up until he said that Jesus told him to go far away to the Gentiles. Then they raised their voices shouting, wipe this man off the face of the earth. He should not be allowed to live. As they were yelling and flinging aside their garments and throwing dust into the air, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks, directing that he be interrogated with the scourge to discover the reason they were shouting against him like this. And so the, the Jews just went into a, a frenzy uh, when Paul told them that Jesus told him to go to the Gentiles. <clears throat> and so they, they took him inside to protect him. The commander had him taken inside, but he was going to have him beat in order to find out why they were shouting. In verse 25, as they, stretched him, uh, as they stretched him out for the lash, Paul said to the centurion standing by, is it legal for you to scourge a man who is a Roman citizen and is um, uncondemned? So again, here's Paul being very savvy, being very shrewd. They're putting him in the stocks in order that they can take the lash and whip him and scourge him, so they're going to essentially torture him to tell them why these people hate him so much. And then Paul says to the soldier next to him, do you know I'm a Roman soldier? Is this legal for you to, to lash me, to scourge me, and I'm not condemned? <laughs> when the centurion heard this, he went and reported to the commander saying, what are you going to do? For this man is a Roman soldier. 
the commander came and said to him, tell me, uh, tell me, are you a Roman uh, citizen? Wait, did I say soldier? I meant citizen. For this man is a Roman citizen. The commander came and said to him, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, Paul said. The commander replied, I bought this citizenship for a large amount of money. <laughs> but I was born a citizen, Paul said. So the commander said he bought his citizenship. But Paul said, I was born a citizen. So those who were about to examine him withdrew. Uh, from him immediately they were about to whip him and then interrogate him and then they withdrew immediately because he was a roman citizen and paul was essentially saying you bought uh, you know the commander says i bought mine but paul says i was born a citizen so that's kind of that kind of trumps the commander buying his citizenship and so then everybody when they heard this they backed away they weren't going to scourge him the commander uh, the commander, too, was alarmed when he realized Paul was a Roman citizen and he had uh, and he had bound him. So now the commander is now self-preservation is kicking in because the commander's thinking, oh, man, I'm out. Of, I'm out of line here. I, I, I bound a Roman citizen. He didn't have a fair trial. I was about to scourge him. And so the commander is kind of shaking. <laughs> Paul before the Sanhedrin, verse 30, the next day, since he wanted to find out exactly why Paul was being accused by the Jews, he released him and instructed the chief priests and all the Sanhedrin to convene. He brought Paul down and placed him before them. So uh, uh, Paul stayed um, in the confines under the commander. Then the next day, the commander, commander says, okay, I need to call the council, the Jewish council together and take this guy down and put them before him so we can find it, so I can find out what the heck is going on. Let's go on to chapter 23. It says in verse 1, Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience to this day. The high priest Ananias ordered those who were standing next to him to strike him on the mouth. So Paul said, you know, I've lived my life before God in good conscience to this day. The high priest, you know, presiding over the proceedings, Ananias ordered those to strike him in the mouth. And then Paul said, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. <laughs> and so a whitewashed wall, what is that? Well, whitewashing it back in the day referred to something that is clean on the outside, but very, very dirty, nasty and corrupt on the inside. And so Paul is saying, uh, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall, you corrupt so-and-so. <laughs> you are sitting there judging me according to the law, and yet in violation of the law, you are ordering me to be struck? So Paul is saying, by ordering me to be struck, you're actually violating the law, yet you're talking about me. In verse 4, those standing nearby do you dare revile? Uh, wait, yeah. Do you dare revile God's high priest? And then in verse five, again, interesting. Paul did. Oh, excuse me. I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest. Replied Paul. For it is written, "You must not speak evil of a ruler of your people." Let's pause there for a second. This high priest Ananias was obviously a corrupt official. But the word says, you must not speak evil of a ruler of your people. This is in Exodus chapter 22, verse 28. 
It doesn't say whether or not the person is corrupt or uncorrupt or not corrupt. It doesn't say whether the per- person is righteous and holy or evil and nasty. It just says you, you must not speak evil of a ruler of your people. We do this all the time in present day. We speak evil of our rulers. We don't respect our rulers. We don't have to like our rulers. We don't have to agree with our rulers. But they are to be shown respect according to the word. See, we don't like that because we don't want to show those respect that we don't like. But that's our humanity speaking. God says respect those in authority. You must not speak evil of a ruler of your people. So Paul was wrong. You know, because he spoke evil of Ananias, but he didn't know that he was the ruler of the people. And so Paul says, um, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest, for it is written, you must not speak evil of the ruler of your people. When Paul realized that one part of them were Sadducees. Now here, here Paul is being uh, uh, very shrewd again. And so he didn't at least he didn't overtly apologize to the high uh, to the high priest but we can take uh, what he said as kind of a, an apology or or an acknowledgement that I was wrong but then he goes on he switches the subject a little bit uh, a lot of bit actually then he says when Paul realized that one part of the team were Sadducees and the other part were Pharisees he cried out in the Sanhedrin brothers I am a Pharisee a son of a Pharisee I am being judged because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. That's not why he's being judged. But anyway, when he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say there's no resurrection and neither um, angel, no, excuse me, and neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees affirmed them all. And so Paul took notice of the, of, of, of the constitution of the Sanhedrin and he saw, hey, there are Pharisees and, and Sadducees here. They don't agree on this resurrection thing. So I'm going to, you know, use my, my, my God-given wisdom, and I'm going to divide this council. And so Paul starts to proclaim, hey, the reason I'm here is because I'm a Pharisee, and I've been proclaiming the resurrection. And so then this fight breaks out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees because that was their place of, of stern and staunch disagreement. And it says the shouting grew loud and some of the scribes of the Pharisees party got up and argued vehemently. We find nothing evil in this man. What if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him? So now Saul has manipulated the Sanhedrin and he's got half of them on his side. (laughs) It says the, the dispute became violent. And then it says the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, have courage. For as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so it is necessary for you to testify about me in Rome. So God is essentially telling Paul, you're going to get out of here alive because I've got another assignment for you. The plot against Paul in verse 12. Uh, When it was morning, the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves under a curse not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. Whew. There were more than 40 who had formed this plot. These men went to the chief priests and elders and said, we have bound ourselves under a solemn curse, 
uh, that we won't eat anything until we have killed Paul. So now, along with the Sanhedrin, make a request to the commander that he bring him down to you as if you were going to investigate his case more thoroughly. But before he gets near, we are ready to kill him. So they said, tell the commander to bring him down and we're going to ambush him on the way down and kill him. In verse 16, but the son of Paul's sister Hearing about, so this would be Paul's uh, nephew, hearing about their ambush, came and entered the barracks and reported it to Paul. Paul called one of the centurions and said, take this young man to the commander because he has something to report to him. So, uh, So he took him, brought him to the commander and said, the prisoner Paul called me and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. And so he told the commander what the plan was. Uh, as far as the Jews. And it says, uh, verse 21, don't let them persuade you because there are more than 40 of them lying in ambush, men who have bound themselves under a curse not to eat or drink until they have killed them. Now they are ready, waiting for your consent. And so the nephew is telling the commander, don't, don't let them fool you. This is what the deal is. Okay. To Caesarea by night. In verse 23, he summoned two of his centurions and said, get 200 soldiers ready with 70 cavalry and 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at nine tonight. Also provide mounts uh, to ride so that Paul may be brought to safety, um, may be brought safely to Felix, the governor. And so he writes a letter to Felix, the governor, uh, explaining the whole situation. The commander writes a letter to Felix, the governor, uh, to give it to, to the soldiers. So when they take Paul there, uh, he can understand what the deal is. <clears throat> it says in verse 31, so the soldiers took Paul during the night and brought him to uh, Antipatris as they were ordered. When these men entered Caesarea, they delivered the letter to the governor. They also presented Paul to him. After he read it, he asked the province, uh, he asked what province he was from. When he learned he was from uh, Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing whenever your, uh, your accusers also get here. He ordered that he be kept under guard in Herod's palace. And so we will find out what happens when the accusers go to Caesarea tomorrow. And so we are done with today's episode. And as we see, as Paul was going on his missionary trips, his whole purpose was to deliver the good news to the people, to the Jews and the Gentiles. And the good news is that Jesus is available to those who would call on his name, to those who believe in his purpose and mission, to those who believe that he is, in fact, the Son of God, and to those who believe that through him we can access heaven. And so, and only him. And so he sends out an invitation and he says, if you believe in your heart and if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, the word says that you shall not be put to shame and that you shall be saved. It's an awesome invitation. Don't let that invitation pass you by. Take him up on his offer. Take him up on his proposition. And with that, we are finished for today. Everybody stay safe, be blessed, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, and should he allow us to uh, see another day, we'll pick it up in the Word Encounter tomorrow in chapter 25. Bye-bye.